Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Today is episode 282. We're looking at Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 34. Let's read our passage. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you were extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. Since then we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, would like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. Well, Paul is on his second missionary journey with Silas and Timothy. They've left Luke behind in Philippi, and Paul had to leave Berea. They sent him down to Athens. He's waiting for Silas and Timothy to join him. And so he's in Athens. He's disturbed by the idols that are everywhere. And he's encountered the Jews at the synagogue and talked about the gospel. And he meets with the philosophers on a daily basis in the marketplace. The philosophers are intrigued by what he has to say and have brought him before the Areopagus, the hill of Ares, that is Mars Hill, And it's both a place and a group. It's a a council that meets there. And they brought him before this council to hear what he has to say. Because there's this debate. Is he's proposing something new and different and exciting and uh, unique? Or is he just taking a little tidbit of this and that and trying to squash them together and make something out of it? So they've brought him before the council. So here we are, verse 22. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see you are extremely religious in every respect. Well, what he's pointing out here is uh, this is neither a compliment or a, uh, an insult. He's just saying, I see that you guys are very interested in things of religion because there are idols everywhere. There are temples everywhere. There is all kinds of idol worship going on. 
He says in verse 23, For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Now, did he actually see a specific altar that said to an unknown God, or was it kind of a, a, a composite altar he's put together based on every, based on several that he's seen? Some people think that maybe some of the older altars, as they fall apart over time, the original inscriptions are lost, and so perhaps they rebuild them somewhat and, and do put a some kind of inscription on it to an unknown God, meaning we don't know who this is for, but we've restored it. And so it's, it's for somebody, some God out there someplace. But Paul uses that as the launch point to talk about the one true God. He doesn't recite scripture here. He doesn't give Old Testament quotes here because that would be meaningless to them. Instead, he starts where they are with idol worship. And he points out some of the problems with idol worship. And in fact, he even have a, an altar to an unknown God. He says, so you obviously don't know things. Well, let me tell you something you don't know. Let me tell you about the creator God. He says, therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. So he's starting with the fact that they admit there's things that they don't know. And so he's going to bring, okay, here's some things you can know. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. So he begins with creation, that uh, there is creation. There is all of this thing, all these people, and there is a creator to that. And this is the God that I'm proclaiming to you, this creator God. And he doesn't need anybody to build him a house. He doesn't need anybody to do anything for him because he is the self-existent one, and he is the one who provides life for all. Now, this is pure Bible that he's preaching here, although he doesn't actually quote the biblical uh, scriptures. He's just proclaiming the truth of the Bible. And verse 26, they began with God. Now he's going to talk about people. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. So here he begins with a purpose of humans. Why did God create humanity? And what is their purpose? Well, one thing he, he purposed, he appointed them to occupy the earth. And so this is the first purpose that he gives here, is that God has appointed mankind to inhabit the earth. Then in verse 27, the second purpose is to know him. See, he says, he did this so that they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him though he's not far from each one of us. So one of the purposes of humankind is to reach out to God, to search for God, and maybe even find God. And he then gives that hint, and and he's not hard to find. He's right there. Now, verse 28, there's some disagreement over exactly who he's quoting and, and how much he's quoting here. But he doesn't quote any Bible here, but he does quote 
Greek poets. Well, they don't know Bible, and Bible doesn't mean anything to them, but they know Greek poets. And so he says in verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being. So I think this is a from a poem attributed to Epimedes the Cretan. That it was attributed to him, but probably really wasn't from him. He lived in the 600 BC range, but it probably didn't come about till sometime later. But this is who Paul quotes: "For in him we live and move and have our being." And he says, "As even some of your own poets have said, for we are." also his offspring. Others say this is a quote from Erethus, who uh, lived about 300 BC. And this is uh, another poet that Paul quotes. Now, both of these poets are speaking about Zeus in in their writing. So is Paul equating the creator God with Zeus? No. No, what he's using is just their language that they make this uh, distinction between divinity and humanity. And so he's just taking that idea. He's not saying, and the, the real name of Zeus is the Lord God, Yahweh. No, he's not saying that. He's just using this concept. He's, he's making this concept that we are the offspring of God, that God created people. God is the creator. So verse 29, since then we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. So he's doing is criticizing false worship. He's criticizing idol worship. He's criticizing all these altars and temples that are everywhere that no, the, the creator God d- doesn't live in a place. The creator God can't be represented by art. He is the creator. He's too big for that. Verse 30, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he said a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He's provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So now he brings it down to the bottom line here. Yeah, there's some things you guys don't know. You even have an altar to an unknown God. So you recognize there's things you don't know. And I'm here to tell you something you need to know. That there is the one true God, the creator, the one from which all life comes, the one who sustains all life. And he doesn't need a temple. He doesn't need an altar. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. What we need is for him to do for us. And that's who I'm talking about. Now, there's been ignorance, and you guys have been in ignorance. But now, there's no excuse for ignorance because I've told you the truth. And so you need to repent to get right with this God because he is going to judge the world. He's going to judge the world based on this one man, Jesus Christ. And he proved it by raising him from the dead. So verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead... Some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius the Areopagite, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So some ridiculed him. This is silly talk. Others 
are intrigued and say, we would like to actually know more about this. And still others believed. He lists two by name, and we don't know anything about either one of them. One, he points out, is an Areopagite, that is, one of the members of this council of the Areopagus. So this Dionysius is a member of the council. He believes. And then there's a woman, Demarius. And we don't know any more about these two. Uh, they never show up again. But Luke actually provides some names of those who believe based on the, Paul's preaching of the gospel. So Paul's been given a chance to appear before a ruling body and present the gospel again. And as is so often the case, some scoff, some are intrigued, but some believe. And that's a lesson for us. You know, never turn down a chance to present the gospel to people. They may scoff. They may be intrigued and want to hear more, but some will believe. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.